Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Melissa Lukowitz, and I'm our youth ministry director here at Redeemer. Um, And this past weekend, I gathered with a bunch of other clergy and people from all over our diocese at this annual meeting called Synod. Synod, yes. And it's a lot of fun, honestly. No, it really is. We get to hear preaching and teaching, and then there's these meetings and meetings and meetings. But um, one of my favorite parts of it is where we get to go and be with other people who are in ministry from all over this area. And I was at a dinner with a bunch of other female clergy, um, and we were going around and saying our names and where we served, and then something that we enjoyed doing. And so I'm with all these wise and wonderful women, and these women are saying things like they like to needlepoint and to knit and to paint and read and write poetry. And it comes to me, and I said, well, I like to throw parties. (laughs) And one of the women said, really? And I said, yeah, really? I really like to throw parties. I actually did it professionally for over 10 years and um, enjoy a lot about celebration. But you can imagine my excitement when I became Anglican and I realized how many feasts and saint days we have. Have y'all seen how many feasts and saint days we have? We're not making this stuff up. You know, the thing that's exciting about it, not only do we get to celebrate the Lord and all he's done, but we get to eat cake. I mean, amen, right? Um, So last week, we got to celebrate All Saints Day with the beautiful baptisms that we had here in our services. And while we were at the 9 o'clock service, the youth were out during our youth ministry time together, and we had ourselves a little All Saints Day celebration because, again, I love to celebrate. Um, And we got to come together, and we lit candles for people who have blessed our lives, whose lives have impacted our faith. And All Saints Day is kind of a mixed bag because, of course, yes, it's a celebration of excitement that these people who have gone before us and they've impacted the church and the, our history of our faith, but it's also, it's, it's difficult. It's this feeling of these people that we love, that we've been connected with, that have really impacted our hearts and lives, they're gone. They've been, they've been passed into eternity, and so they're no longer with us. And so even lighting a candle and saying their name might be difficult because it's an expression of loss. And so we have this both and. And the thing that's beautiful about our passage this morning in 2 Thessalonians is that Paul kind of hints at this, this beauty of how it's not just about that their lives, the saints that have gone before us, were faithful. It's not just about what we are doing. Those things matter, what their lives have represented, their decisions they've made, the people that have gone before us and impacted us. That's, it all matters so much. It matters that we light candles and say their names. But what really matters is that the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been faithful in the midst of their coming and in the midst of their going. And he continues to be faithful. So in 2 Thessalonians, the beginning of 3 is where we're going to be today. If you want to turn there. Because Paul tells us a few things about how to really treasure this perspective of God's faithfulness. 
He says, finally, brothers, and that word there is actually brothers and sisters is the translation. And so none of you ladies get out of this call, this charge this morning. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want to highlight a few things that I think Paul was kind of cluing in to these believers in Thessalonica that can be helpful even today in our lives. The first thing that I think is really remarkable is that Paul's asking the believers to focus on what God has done. So you can see in this very first part, he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. So he's not telling them to focus on something that they haven't experienced yet in themselves. They saw his word among them. They had seen this ministry develop and be in the midst of them. It was something that they had experienced firsthand. So Paul is saying, let's ask for that for these other churches and these other places. Let's ask for the word of God to speed ahead of us. Go before me, get there before me, and do what you're going to do so that then when I get there, I can kind of walk into what the Lord's been doing before me. I don't know about you, but I don't always think about the word like that. That the word may speed ahead and be honored. I think about all those situations in our life where we feel pretty desperate for the Lord to work. Times in our lives are very difficult situations. Or people in our lives that are just hard. And, you know, there are those times when it's maybe those situations or those people that were like, oh, Lord, I just don't know. I don't know if you can really do something there. That, that's a hard one. Anybody else with me? <laughs> or just me and my doubts? Um, the Lord is amazing in what he does. And there are those situations and then those people's lives where we think, I don't know if I can even ask for that because even when I ask it, it feels almost silly asking. But sometimes, maybe just sometimes, he'll give us this faith like a mustard seed to lift up and to have the strength to pray, Lord, would you work? Would you work in this person? Would you work in this situation? And maybe we have the strength to ask that and then then we see it come to pass and we're like, you really could do that. That is amazing. You changed that situation. You changed that person's heart. And it's something that the Lord is doing before we get there. You know, we can't always see that work being done yet. But his word is going before us to do this work. When I was a 15-year-old girl, I had started going to a youth group, a Methodist youth group. And somehow I got convinced to go to this winter retreat and it was, um, I was there, I was sitting with all these other friends that I liked that were my friends, and we were singing songs, and I was like, I don't really know about this youth group thing, I've never really done it before, but I was this kind of um, hard-hearted and very lonely and sad 15-year-old girl. I'd had a lot of brokenness in my life already at the young age of 15, and so I was just pretty hardened to, to anything, really, that had me feel much of anything. 
And so as I'm sitting there and we're worshiping and we're singing these songs and our youth minister is leading us, I start feeling something really weird on my face. It's like this moisture. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here. And I realize I'm crying. Like these streams of tears are crying out of my face. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And it was several more months before I actually surrendered my life to the Lord and knew that even then, even before, even in my baptism as an infant, the Lord's word had sped ahead of me. His word had gone before and had been honored, and I was just catching up to it. I think that's such an amazing picture that Paul is saying, pray for that. Pray for that for those situations, for those people. Pray to see God working. He wants to save. He wants to rescue. He wants to do what we've seen him do among us. The second thing that I see Paul encouraging them in this is that he's saying to remember what he's doing, not just what he has done among them. He's already said that and shown them that. But he says he's asking for right here and now in Paul's ministry and in his life, he says, pray for us to be delivered from wicked and evil men. And we know Paul was experiencing persecution. There were people who did not want the resurrection of Christ, the message of Jesus going forward. He had been one of the people who had been all about trying to stop it before his own conversion. But now he was on the other side and he was praying for his protection as he went to carry forth the word of God. And so he's asking to be delivered from wicked and evil men. But then right after he asks that, he says this sad verse, saddest part of this whole passage, he says, for not all have faith. And I feel like we can hear Paul's grieving, that not all have faith. And it's the truth. Not all have faith. But yet, right after that, the Lord says through Paul, but the Lord is faithful. And he's reminding himself of this great truth that the Lord is faithful. And I don't know about you, but I feel like in this day and age, we are bombarded with evil and sadness and injustice. We are bombarded with the heaviness of sin and wicked men and women and evil all around us. And it feels heavy. But that Paul would remind them, even in that sadness, even in the sadness of saying, but not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. This is a present tense, friends. This is not the Lord was faithful and then that stopped. The Lord is faithful. Will you say that with me for a second? The Lord is faithful. Here is Paul seeing what Jesus had done in his own life, being transformed in a way that he could not believe, and he knew that the Lord was going to continue to be faithful. He knew that no matter what came against him, he was going to be in the faithfulness of God, protected. When I think about that picture of being protected by God's faithfulness, it reminds me of a conversation one time I had with my husband, and we were talking about spiritual attack and just be, being in the, in the mess of this world and feeling the sin and the weight of things around us. And Randy said that he felt like even though he was standing with God's shield of faith, 
And I don't know if you guys know, but like the shields of faith, I don't have like a big sword to whip out like Pastor Allen did that one time. But the shields of faith that is in this picture that we get to see is like the Roman shields. They were ginormous, okay? They were huge shields. And they would be carried by the soldiers who were extremely strong and tall and big. And when they carried them, they could hide their whole bodies behind this shield. And they would make a wall with them. They would come together, shield after shield, and they would be this protective wall where they would hide behind. It's not like one of those little Dollar Tree shields, you know, like with costumes that you get for kids. And they would hide their bodies behind it. But, of course, as they held their shields, they still feel feel the impact of those arrows. They still feel the weight of that evilness. They still feel the weight of the simple world around us, of those who are not faithful. But they clinged, they clung to this idea of the Lord is faithful. And we cling to that truth. That no matter what happens, no matter what evil comes against you, no matter, no matter what evil happens around us, the Lord is faithful. Present tense. It's not just true for them. It's true for us today. And the third thing, and you'll see the pattern, you English majors, that we are to, he, what the Lord has done, Paul first starts with what the Lord has done among them, and then we see him shift to talking about what the Lord is doing, present tense. And then this last part, he exhorts the believers to remember what God will continue to do. And it says in verse 4, And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things we command. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying that about, about you? about your community. When I think about these words that the Apostle Paul said, I'm like, oh, if, we, if he was here with us today, I wonder if he would say, I have confidence in you, Melissa. I have confidence in Redeemer. And the truth of the matter is that he would not say that, but he would say, I have confidence in the Lord about you. Because it's not about us, friends. When we pin our hopes on people not messing up, on people being faithful, on the systems of this world being righteous, we're going to always be let down. But when we put our hope on his faithfulness, on his ability to protect and deliver us, to guard us and establish us, when we have our hope put in that that is where we have security. That is where we can have that inner joy. I have a couple of examples to explain this a little bit more, um, short examples, but one of my favorite things that we do in Redeemer is Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and it's a way for children to enter into the truths about Scripture and the sacraments and the truths of our faith with their hands and with their minds and their bodies. They interact with materials. They learn about the elements of communion. They, they get to experience with their hands and their bodies and themselves, not just someone teaching 
and them listening and trying to take it all in, but actually experience these mysteries. Um, and I remember my friend Leah Wall sharing one time um, about a child working with the Eucharist materials. They had been shown how there was both water and wine in the chalice and how the, the wine is representative of the blood of Christ, but how the water is representative of his humanity. And that both of those things are brought together in the chalice of communion. And as it, they watched it disappear into the chalice, one of the children said, now it can never be separated. Jesus is, does that in us. It can never, he can never be separated from us. The water and the wine, once it's brought together, it can't be separated. And the Lord's faithfulness in us he doesn't just leave us out to dry, hang, let us hang out to dry. He doesn't say, trust in me, come this far so that I can squash you. He is not a manipulative God. He is faithful. When we get to experience that mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, we get to step into that truth that truth that has been from forever past and is true for us now and will be true for us forever. That is a deep understanding of God's character and not something that can be taken away. The second example I'll give you, and I think I might have a little more appreciation for this illustration than at the first service, but the last party that I threw was a, um, was a Taylor Swift party. Um, along with a celebration of our dear Kate May, who can't be here this morning. She's with the fellows at Micah 6-8 conference. And it was the most fun, and we all stayed up until midnight, and we listened to the whole album drop. Um, and then we woke up the next morning and realized there were seven more songs. And it was amazing, because I, as I listened to the, the last few that had been released, um, I fell in love with several more of her new works. Um, and one thing that I love about Taylor is that she does not hold back in her heartbreak. One time, Randy said, she sounds so emotionally anguished. I said, yes, she is. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite songs on her album is, it's like a confession of feeling isolated her whole life. And I'm going to read it for you, um, the part that I just think... <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty tootsie to the heart. So she says, From sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears for this. I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. The jokes weren't funny. I took the money. My friends from home don't know what to say. I looked around in a blood-soaked gown, and I saw something they can't take away. Because there were pages turned with the bridges burned. Everything you lose is a step you take. So make the friendship bracelets. Take the moment and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. You're on your own, kid. You always have been. And that to me, is the cry of our nation. We feel alone in this life. We feel like we're left to our own defenses. 
And like, we've got to advocate for ourselves because no one else is going to do it. We're on our own. And the beauty is that that's not true for us. That we are not alone. That we don't have to do this world, this life, on our own. We have been brought into a family of God. And even when our family slips or disappoints us or struggles or dies or leaves, the family of God is bigger than just one person or a couple people. The family of God is this beautiful picture of the saints from old until the forever saints to eternity, that God is faithful. The Lord never intended us to do this on our own. We've got to have each other. And as we think about this work that he wants us to participate in, he doesn't want us to do it without him. He could do it without us, y'all. He could. He doesn't want to. He wants us to join in to this mystery of faith, to go out and do the work he's given us to do as faithful witnesses not because we're so faithful, because he is so faithful. As we direct our own hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ, may we remember what he has done among us and what he is doing right now in our midst and what he will continue to do long after we're gone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.